Welcome to the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. The Transform Your Teaching Podcast is a service of the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cedarville University in Cedarville, Ohio. We seek to inspire higher education faculty to adopt innovative teaching and learning practices. Thanks for joining our conversation. Welcome back to Transform Your Teaching. My name is Jared Piles and with me is Dr. Rob McDowell. We are starting a new series today. We're going to be talking about what everyone seems to be talking about, chat GPT and open AI. This is something that we have talked about in passing a bit in the podcast and have asked some of our guests some of these questions, but we're going to spend the summer going into specific parts of AI, mainly chat GPT. We're also going to look at the motivation behind ChatGPT, mm. how does it tick, who is pulling the strings, especially when it comes to education, which is what this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. We're going to discuss the potential impact of it, how it could influence or change education, or maybe it already has and we don't realize it. Maybe it's been working behind the scenes the whole time and we didn't realize it. Uh, kind of like the man behind the curtain in Wizard of Oz. I feel like we're going down a dark tunnel already. It does feel <laughs> rather dark. We're going to have to like, maybe when I produce these episodes, I'll create sound effects and like like a early morning radio DJs. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, and have some, let's go to traffic or something like that. We could do something just to brighten the mood a little bit, you know? And we're going to also be talking about a couple issues that come up with Chad GPT, like you may have already come across yourself as access and academic integrity. We're also going to talk with some professors about how they've used it. And we're going to wrap up by discussing ChatGPT and maybe creating a mental model like we'd like to do on Mm -hmm. using ChatGPT in your instruction. So over the course of the next 18 minutes, Dr. Rob McDowell, we need to define and give a history of artificial intelligence. Wow. Do I need to set a timer for ourselves? So, so uh, I'm going to do my best to try to give uh, a little bit of an overview of what's gotten us to where we are today. Um, and when we talk about AI, we, we also talk about web, like 1.0, 2.0. Yeah, let's, we've talked about those before. Let's revisit and redefine yeah. those. So, so right now, AI lives in what we call Web 3.0. Web 1.0, if you recall, is more of more or less the stone age of the internet. You know, pages were static, conversations were one-sided. Uh, we were just tourists in the digital landscape. We were consumers. Yes. One, um, of, my, one of my favorite uh, 90s videos is this one, and we'll put it in the show notes because I, I love revisiting it because of the nostalgic feel of it but it's the kid's guide to the internet and you get to watch these kids <laughs> navigate web 1.0 and they did some, I don't know how they did it, honestly, but it's in the nineties. They did some early screen recording and it shows them, but the, you know, the resolution used to be like 480 by something where uh-huh. it was, you had yeah. to scroll down just to see a picture. Right. You get to see them navigate these websites. It's amazing. It's a great nostalgic kick if you need to feel that. Yeah. In your soul. Well, part of that nostalgia as well is those as you're, you know, dialing up. Okay, dial up. Dialing up. So there may be listeners out there that don't know what dial up was and and 
companies like AOL and Net Zero and um, let's see who who else. Mine in my hometown was ZoomNet. Zoom, yeah, I do remember ZoomNet. You yeah. had a lot of like little small little companies, <laughs> mm-hmm. local companies that would provide internet access. So you'd have that that really weird noise, those noises, and all that stuff. You no know, one before. can make a phone call whenever you exactly. Um, and then we moved on to Web 2.0, where some might call that the renaissance of the internet. Um, static web pages got you know a personality makeover. They became interactive. You could start doing things like making notes. And so, you know, this is when Amazon and Kindle really started coming on the scene. Goodreads. Um, we could, I love Goodreads. Yeah, it's still good today. It's I great. mean, obviously, but it, it definitely, and then the social. Oh, yes. You know, everything being socially documented, everything, people really working on, uh, what's the word? Their social presence, so selfies, digital footprint, yeah, selfies and things that they ate that they thought everybody <laughs> would want to know and and see, um, and always the best pictures, right? You always oh, yeah. get the best angle, and the rise of apps that made you look just so and or gave you some sort of animated look or weird thing, and it was you know it was the advent of liking something, being devoid of emotion, yeah. So we have a separation there. So Web 2.0, you know, especially in the social sphere, took us from liking something it was just something you do, not necessarily something that's actually tied to emotion. Uh, that moves us into Web 3.0. And Web 3.0 is, is often referred to as the semantic web. It, it, re- it represents an evolution of the World Wide Web in which information is machine-readable, interoperable, and decentralized. And those are big words, and I get it. They are. But basically, instead of having to think about having an app for everything, data becomes much more fluid and much more accessible. And as such, especially with AI and things like uh, blockchain, so some, some people may have heard of Bitcoin, so yep. that's that's blockchain, and blockchain can be lots of different things. Uh, we won't like go into that in real depth today, but um, it's part of this, and and it all kind of like 3.0 surrounds around the semantic metadata. Uh, you have clear meanings enabling computers and people to work in cooperation. So therefore, AI. In other words, like I can type into something and say generate a 500 word essay on this topic yes. and it will do it and it understands yes. me it understands you so this isn't like siri where you ask siri to do something and it goes uh hold on a second yeah so i've recently noticed that like i use siri for certain things and it's in comparison to it's like caveman yeah. neanderthal yeah comparison to chat gpt or web3 almost yeah and so it's it's kind of the predecessor i would say uh, an attempt. Um, Google has their own. I'm not trying to. Is it like Bard? Bard, Google yeah. Bard. But even before that, they had their like Go Google or Hey Google. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey yeah, Google. Hey Google. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Still works. I use it to turn off my lights in my house. It's the only reason I use it. So all of this combines, you know, some of the things. 
semantic metadata, artificial intelligence. We've already talked about AI. Uh, Decentralization of data. And so instead of data living in big, huge warehouses that somebody controls, um, data is going to be decentralized in the sense of on everybody's machine. Just controlled differently. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's, it's more controlled by the person. At least that's what they're saying. Yeah, right. Like you own your own data. You control your own data. Whether that's been fully realized or not, that's a whole other conversation. 3D graphics, that's also really big. So meta, companies like you know Facebook turning oh, into yeah. meta. Yeah. So virtual reality or augmented reality, this is Web 3.0. A lot of people have probably already used some of these things right. and they didn't realize it. Like I think Amazon and Wayfair and some of these other companies where you go and you like look for a piece of furniture. Yeah. Right. And you want to see, oh, what does that look like in my room? Yeah. Right. So you can actually take your phone and kind of virtually place that piece of furniture using your camera in yeah, your room and see what it looks like. Yeah. So that's part of this. Right. Interesting. Ubiquitous connectivity is also part of Web 3.0. So you've also heard of Starlink, I think. Starlink. Maybe Starlink. No. Tesla. Yes, I've heard of uh, Tesla. This is, I think it's actually part, not necessarily part of Tesla, even though Tesla's You mean OnStar? Connected to, no, not OnStar. Oh. Starlink, I believe, is the name of the company. Basically, they have little satellites all around the world that are creating a, a mesh network of the internet, that, which is highly accessible to areas that don't have connectivity like you and I may at, at our home. So that's, I'm assuming in the future, that's going to be for the global defense network that will protect us from invading aliens, that mesh network of satellites. Oh, I'm sure. Okay. No doubt. Good. So it's there for a good reason. Yeah. Okay, good. It's not spying on you at all. No, no, no. Honestly, it's there to control the autonomous cars, namely Tesla's cars. Those are some of the, then the big one is, which we're going to talk about mostly is, ChatGPT, which is a natural language processor. Mm. And some of these algorithms and machine learning, deep neural networks that have actually been used since the 60s. Yeah, we do have a bit of a history of AI. We're not going to go full in depth. Let's just do some highlighted pieces here uh, of this. So do you want to go ahead and yeah, do that for us, Rob? Where it starts is, is 1950, Alan Turing, and he develops the Turing test. And it basically is a test to measure machine's ability to exhibit intelligence behavior. So in other words, to mimic human thought. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. And 1956, we have the Dartmouth conference, Dartmouth conference, maybe is a better way of saying that. Um, and then we have what they call the first kind of like golden years of AI. And it really becomes a place of research uh, labs in MIT and Stanford from the, uh, late 50s to the to early 70s really start digging into AI. Um, have some bouncing around. People like it. People don't. It kind of goes away in the consciousness of, of society until probably about, I would say, the late 90s, early 2000s, when IBM's Deep Blue in 1997 oh, yeah. beats... Uh, the world champion in chess. I remember that. Was that also around the same time that the I was it Watson that 
competed on Jeopardy. Watson, that will be in 2011, and oh, Watson okay. will. I'm jumping. Yeah, ahead. Watson destroys. Well, that's fine. And then in 2014, it kind of went under the radar, but there, there are some that say that some chatbots uh, passed the Turing test. But again, nobody really paid attention to that. Probably the biggest one was Google's AlphaGo. In 2016. I don't remember AlphaGo. AlphaGo is that the game called, I think it's called Just Go. It's a strategy game like, like chess. Oh. Uh, it's much more complex. It's simple, but it's, it's iterations in terms of outcomes are exponentially larger than chess. Oh, there's a documentary about it. I'm looking it up right now. AlphaGo basically could beat anyone. Mm. And then probably, you know, the one that we know about but nobody really started talking about until around right before Christmas. Uh, yeah, 20, last year. Two, yeah. Was ChatGPT3. But mm-hmm. it actually came out in 2020. That blows my mind. So it's been sitting there and just, you know, maybe people were so concerned about COVID and whatnot that they couldn't. Yeah, that's what I wondered. If it was, if COVID didn't happen, would we, would we be three years into ChatGPT right now? Mm-hmm. That's um, a good question. So by the time you and I were talking about ChatGPT three, Microsoft had their hands on ChatGPT four in October. Mm. So starting in October, they've been they've been researching and developing and and living with it. So it's kind of hard to say where things are. It's kind of gotten a little secretive here recently. Yeah. Once Microsoft put in billions of dollars in in uh, funding to OpenAI. Well, they had something called Copilot that they were going to put in Word. Uh, right? It's it's there. Some companies have it. Oh. Um, and they're using it. It just hasn't hit the mainstream yet. Oh, I um, see. I wonder if it was one of those. It went dark, just like you talked about. Everything kind of being quiet about since Word got involved or Microsoft got involved, not just Word. Yeah. Well, and it basically is allowing. It's allowing a lot of usage of your own personal data, and bringing ChatGPT four, which is, it is you know, exponentially better than ChatGPT3. It's on a whole nother plane. It really is. It's scary. Along with this is the voice recognition, and we've already talked about some of that. Uh, You and I have also used some other types of AI pieces. We've used a script. We've used, which is backends to ChatGPT3. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Where it took my voice and replicated it. I I don't know if I can express how creepy it was for to walk into Rob's office and him to play me two audio clips uh, that we recorded in here. One of them, he said, was directly from this recording, and the other one was using Descript. Where I just typed in the phrase. Where you just typed in the phrase, and you had to go through and authorize your voice, mm-hmm. and it'd go through that whole process, read a long script, or it whatever it was. Trained on my voice, yeah. Trained on your voice. I could not distinguish the difference between the two. It was insane. Yeah. So. So deep faking, that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's what comes up when we start talking about that. So, you know, we need to get to the educational timeline of AI, though. I mean, along along these lines of the commercialization of AI, um, and there are some pretty amazing things that we could talk about along that line um, that AI has accomplished. Uh, medicine development is one, mm. um, and I'm, you know, an antibiotic that no one knew about because there were, there were relationships, you know, 
chemically that we did not understand. Wow. As humanity that AI discovered. As a result, it created a um antibiotic that is the most potent on the face of the planet now. That's insane. Because and it doesn't kill a person. So it it's because it can run through the simulations. Sure. Um and uh so you know it's it's kind of wow, that's amazing, but it's also super spooky. Oh yes. <laughs> uh for sure. But in education we have Plato. Plato was probably the first AI capable uh, integration of technology and education. That was um, that was in the sixties. That was nineteen sixty three. Okay. And then we start seeing automated essay grading. Um, so, like automated essay grading, that would be like, would that be like spell check, running spell check in Word and Grammarly? Yeah. Like, how far back would that go? I would say it goes back to the eighties for sure. Yeah. Because um, I know that that. Uh, the military was was looking at that, okay, and and had it right. I actually in the nineties experimented with well, no, it would have been early two thousands, but I experimented with a particular machine learning or machine based learning program that mm. would take content and then basically walk you through it and uh, ask you questions and and then based on your response, it would. It would give you, and I got access to that because of somebody's connections to the military. Oh, wow. So when I asked them about the program, they said, well, it's actually been in development since the 80s. <clears throat> but it was pretty amazing. It was kind of clunky on the interface, but what it was actually doing on the back end was, was pretty amazing. Mm. Uh, personalized learning paths. We really started seeing that, I would say, probably 2010, 2011. Yeah, the adaptive learning, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. That's like my <clears throat> kids right now when they... They go through what's called iReady uh, in their schools, and it's it adapts to their where they are. Yeah. Right. So it will challenge them, and that's what standardized tests do now. Yeah. The computerized stuff, it will, you know, they'll take, they'll get the software will give them questions, they'll answer, and as long as they get them correct, they'll go harder, 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 and harder. Mm-hmm. They'll adapt to their level that they are, and then when they finally hit a point where they've missed several in a row, they'll cap it there and okay, that's where you are. So Yeah. Carnegie Mellon had a tool. They called it Open Simon. That's what they used. Um they developed it. And then um I know Georgia Tech did one called Jill Watson. And it was a tutor. So a they tutor. had yeah, intelligent tutoring systems. So, you know, wow. they would send these students to be tutored by this system. Um, I probably would say the most n- noticeable and most powerful one that I'm aware of, and, I'm, and again, I'm showing my ignorance probably to some degree with those who may be listening no more, but the one that sticks out to me is Khan Academy's work with AI yeah. mm-hmm. and, um, and how it's developed over time. And it, it's pretty amazing. It's, you know, if you get a chance and anybody can go and do that, not just your kids, but you could go yeah. and, and use their, their AI system. Right. So this is a lot, this is a lot. And we, we want to create some sort of timeline to get you to a point where we can say, okay, here's where we came from. 
here's where we are right now. And then maybe we can future cast in a later episode and say, here's where it could probably end up if we wanted to. But what I want to do, and we'll probably save this for the next episode because I wanted to make sure we ended in a decent time. We're at a good time right now. So our next episode, we're going to discuss, we're going to ask ChatGPT live here in studio, what is it? What is its philosophy of education? Mm -hmm. Which, and I'm terrified to see what it says, or if it even says, it probably will be a a giant waste of time because it may say, I am an AI, blah, blah, blah. But we have ways of manipulating. We are now prompt engineers, which I saw that job posted somewhere. (laughs) Prompt engineer. For Chad GPT, we're going to do that. Yeah. And I'm also going to, in that, in that episode, I'm teaching a section of a summer course, and I'm going to share how I'm planning on using Chad GPT in that course. And then at the end of the summer, I'll revisit it and say, it was great, or it was an utter disaster. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, me too. We had a bunch of different resources, and we left some stuff out in the timeline of AI and, and educational AI. So we're going to include all the stuff we talked about and then some in our show notes with a bunch of links. So be sure and check it out there. That's going to do it for us today for this episode. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Transform Your Teaching Podcast. Please subscribe or follow us on your preferred podcast platform. For more information, you can email us at ctlpodcast at cedarville.edu. Please consider subscribing to our blog, Focus, found at cedarville.edu forward slash focus blog.